right now, when you look at the economy, I think we're back to that environment where good news is bad news or bad news is good news, where things are just kind of move in the opposite direction. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. U.S. chipmaker NVIDIA again topped earnings expectation amid the AI boom. In today's episode, portfolio managers Alfred Lee, Chris McKinney, and your host, Mackenzie Box, discuss whether it's time to take profits. They also explore Canadian bank earnings, the probability of a recession, and navigating options skew. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. That's BMO. ETFS.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our ETF Portfolio Management Team. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product of BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney, who are both PMs on our ETF desk. So thank you to both Alfred and Chris for joining us today. Thanks. Morning. Thank you. Good morning. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, Alfred, first, we'll start off with you. The S&P 500 is off to a decent start this year and already up close to 6.5% in just two months. However, the majority of the returns have come from NVIDIA and some from Microsoft. For NVIDIA investors out there, do you take profit at this point? Maybe you can just walk us through that. And I know we've seen a lot of that in the news recently. Yeah, it's a good question. When you look at NVIDIA, it's definitely been on a good run not just year to date, but also the last uh, couple of years as well. So, you know, when you look at NVIDIA just year to date, so just, you know, two months into the year, it's up close to 60% already. Uh, Seems to keep exceeding expectations as well. Um, Looking further back uh, in 2023 alone, it was up over 225%. So it has moved quite a lot to say the least. Um, A lot of investors we've been hearing have tried to short it obviously have been very unsuccessful. And, you know, those investors are obviously just, you know, stepping to the side at this point, just getting out of the way. But, you know, just given the gains at this point, um, it definitely makes sense um, to take a little bit of profits and diversify away from NVIDIA. I think that definitely is prudent at this point. Over the last couple of months, we have talked about a lot of things like stock replacement trades. Um, So um, taking that approach, I think, is a good way to approach how to play NVIDIA at this point. So when you look at Q4 earnings for NVIDIA, they reported adjusted earnings of $5 per share on $22.1 billion. Uh, that was compared to the expected earnings, according to FactSet, of $4.59 a shares on sales of $20.4 billion. So definitely you know, came ahead of already lofty expectations. As I said, it's really hard to bet against all the momentum behind uh, NVIDIA, especially with the expectations of AI. Um, but I think when you look at ETFs, it's a good way to maintain exposure to names like NVIDIA, a lot of the AI names, the Magnificent Seven, but, di- but diversify away from that exposure as well. So I think, you know, taking a uh, look at our lineup, the three logical ways of replacing that stock, I think is 
Um, you know, the first one is taking uh, a look at ZUQ, which is our U.S. high-quality ETF. I would say that's a more defensive way of playing it. So it does have a pretty good tech exposure to it. So it's about 37% exposed to uh, the technology sector. It does tend to have more of the cash-rich technology names. The overall portfolio tends to be um, more defensive or you know, um, companies that have stronger balance sheets. Uh, it does have exposure to most of the Magnificent Seven, Amazon and Tesla being the two exceptions. Um, but again, it's a good way to get exposure to not only high quality tech names, but also other blue chip companies as well. The other way to play it is through the NASDAQ 100. So we do have two ETFs that track the NASDAQ 100, uh, ZQQ being the hedge version and ZNQ being the unhedge version. So again, you know, the NASDAQ 100 is going to be made up of um, you know, an index of high growth names. Uh, tech does make up about 50% of the index. It does have exposure to the Magnificent Seven as well. And then last but not least, we have ZWT, which is our covered call uh, technology ETF. So this one is made up of 30 large cap technology names. Uh, in addition to this, you're getting the covered call overlay on top of that. So the distribution yield on this one is 3.4%. Um, you know, when you typically look at technology, doesn't usually pay yield. Um, so this one, you are getting some yield on top of that. So I would say this is almost like a Canadian way of playing technology, given the love for yield amongst Canadians. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Explore the next frontier of investments where innovation meets opportunity. In episode 211 of the Views from the Desk podcast, we take a deep dive into buffer ETFs, starting with the fundamentals, including how they work and where they fit into a portfolio. Listen now on your preferred podcast platform. And for more information about buffer ETFs, visit bmogam.com. That's bmogam.com. Chris, something else that we've seen in the news this week, um, lots of headlines, is bank earnings have started to filter in. Can you discuss the initial thoughts on uh, what we've seen come in so far? Yeah, certainly. Uh, we, we did see Bank Montreal and, and Scotiabank report yesterday. Uh, National and Royal have reported uh, just this morning. And so, you know, we're going to have a more deep dive uh, into all the bank earnings and, and what that means across the sector, across the industry. Um, so stay tuned for that. We like to do that, you know, after all the earnings come out and we've had time to digest them all. But uh, just in terms of some initial thoughts as uh, as these companies start to report, it's really been a bit of a mixed bag so far anyway, if we take a look at, um, again, the companies that have reported uh, Bank of Montreal, the market digested um, the earnings report as a slightly negative, I would say, with the stock being down a little bit upon that earnings release, whereas the opposite, Scotiabank, was generally a little bit of a positive uh, acceptance from the market with um, uh, equity investors pushing that stock up, although we have seen that start to reverse here as well. Um, the more recent ones that we've seen from National and Royal generally look to be relatively positive, um, but not a huge price action on the back of that. Um, you know, if there's a few points that we can just take away, maybe as a as a group uh, across, um, you know, most of these banks in terms of what we've seen out of these earnings. 
you know, generally provisions for credit losses have been higher than what the market uh, has expected. And so that's, um, you know, bank executives setting aside money either for, um, you know, non-performing loans, but potentially also for performing loans that they expect may become non-performing loans. Um, so a little bit of a conservative approach from Canadian banks in terms of setting money aside even more so um, than what the market was expecting and that um, having an impact on the bottom line. Some other themes we've seen generally is that capital markets uh, piece of the bank earnings generally has been lower um, this quarter. You know, there, there, there have been exceptions to that, and that tends to be a volatile piece of the overall bank's uh, earnings. But generally, we've seen uh, earnings from that um, segment lower, and we've seen higher expenses in general as well. Um, so, you know, a couple of different headwinds there for the banks as they make their way through this environment. Um, you know, probably one of the positive takeaways is that in general, capital ratios are very strong. So the capital position of these banks is still very, very good, very, very strong. Right now, we're in an environment where, you know, higher rates, higher interest rates are generally positive for the banks in terms of that interest margin they can uh, they can earn off of their, their loan book and their loaning activities. Generally, that's a positive for banks, but also overall the macroeconomic environment generally slowing down for Canada. We've seen some of those macro data coming in a little bit weaker than expected and than previous. So overall Canadian uh, economy looks to be maybe slowing down a little bit. And of course um, that would impact the banks um, and their business for sure. So I think we're in a, this environment where um, we're at a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, you know, certainly was a, a negative year for, for equity, uh, for bank equities last year, particularly um, into Q4 of 2023, where we saw uh, essentially the bottoming of that industry. We've bounced off of those lows so far here in 2024. Um, and so, you know, kind of got away from those 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 low pessimistic levels, but we haven't got back to those all-time highs that we've seen in the banks either. So, um, and again, so far the price action off of these earnings has been relatively muted as again, there's been a, been a bit of a mixed bag here in terms of what the banks have given us. So, you know, I, th I think this environment actually sets up pretty well for a couple of different uh, ways to play this sector. If investors um, are interested in looking at this sector and, and different ways to play it based off of these earnings, um, you know, for income oriented investors, we always take a look at the uh, BMO covered call Canadian banks uh, ETF that's ticker ZWB. Um, this trades away a little bit of growth potential to generate that income through our call option overwriting program. Um, so certainly for income-oriented investors, we think this makes a lot of sense because you're getting that higher level of income. And if we're expecting the banks to sort of trade sideways over the next period of time, you're not really giving up too much of that growth potential either um, if that plays out. And then for other investors that want to take advantage of, of a, a sideways or slower move, but not necessarily want to generate income out of that, the BMO Canadian Bank's Accelerator ETF is a newer way to access this segment. Um, ticker is ZEBA on that one. And really, you know, the concept behind the Accelerator is for this type of environment where investors are not necessarily expecting uh, a huge amount of growth out of the equity market, um, why not take those lower expected returns and quote unquote accelerate them uh, through another options overlay program that is, is put into that strategy.
essentially you're earning potentially uh, extra on that first few percent that banks give you from uh, their equity returns uh, in exchange for capping that upside. So similar to ZWB, investors here are um, you know, willing to forego some of that big upside potential in order to take advantage of a, a sideways or, or slower trending market. So we think those are two good ways to look at the sector right now, again, based on the mixed environment that we're in. Of course, for any investor that's that's bullish on the sector, uh, BMO equal weight banks index ETF ticker ZEB is always going to be the best way um, to get that full upside to the sector. And if again, for investors that are really bullish, um, the, the best way to play that sector. But we think ZWB ZEBA right now might be a good way to uh, for investors to look at this uh, sector as we, as we trade uh, a little bit sideways for the first few months here in 2024. Great. Thanks, Chris. Um, Alfred, back to you. Yesterday, the G20 said the world economy has a growing chance of a soft landing. Well, separately, the Goldman uh, CEO mentioned that there's a growing uncertainty of a soft landing. And the Bloomberg recession probability forecasts have gone down. Um, but the variance of expectations has widened. Um, how should investors think about playing equities uh, given the kind of sediment in the market right now? Yeah, so you're you're definitely right. I mean, when you look at recessionary forecast right now, um, you know, the probability of a recession when we look at Bloomberg has certainly gone down, um, but the variance has definitely widened over the last um, recent months. And I think you know, when you look at economic data right now, especially in the U.S., it's really hard to imagine where uh, that potential weakness may come from. So, um, you know, I think the real risk, however, is that if the economy is too strong, that essentially forces the central banks, especially the Fed, to delay interest rate cuts. Um, and, you know, the market and the economy overall is anticipating these massive rate cuts um, that are supposedly going to come this year. Um, this morning, for example, we got the U.S. GDP numbers. Uh, it came in a little bit lower than expectations, uh, but not materially. As uh, so the quarter-over-quarter numbers came in at 3.2% versus the uh, market's expectation of 3.3%. Um, so interest rate cuts right now when looking at uh, interest rate futures, it's pricing in about 3.2 uh, cuts uh, right now. That's down significantly from the beginning of the year, which you know the market was anticipating six rate cuts by the Fed, which, you know, we've said all along, uh, which which was, you know, it's way too dovish for uh, just given the backdrop of the economy. So right now, when you look at the economy, I think we're back to that environment where, you know, good news is um, bad news or bad news is good news, where things are just kind of move in the opposite direction. Um, so when you look at economic data, uh, if it continues to come in strong, uh, again, that's just going to mean that anticipation for the market is that the Fed potentially will have to move uh, rate cuts further down the road. Um, of note, former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers uh, mentioned that there is a meaningful chance that the next move is a hike. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but you know, but if you look at the market rally over the last three months, it has, you know, it has rallied quite a bit just because it's built on that speculation that the Fed will cut rates and Originally, you know, looking a couple of months ago, that expectation was for massive rate cuts as well. So, you know, as the expectation is for the Fed to become less and less dovish as the year progresses, I think that potentially opens up for, um, you know, potential, um, you know, downside risks in the equity market, even though um, the economic strength would warrant, 
you know, more upside in the equity market. So I, I think the, you know, a good way to play it is maintain exposure to equities, but at the same time, manage that downside risk as well. So we do have a number of ways in, in doing so. Um, the first way is uh, going into things like low volatility ETFs. Um, so for example, the BMO low volatility US equity ETF, ZLU, uh, that's a good way to maintain exposure to the equity market. So it invests in um, U.S. equities that have a lower beta than the market. So it allows you to maintain equitization to the market, but at the same time have exposure to stocks that have a lower beta or or less volatile than the market. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, our quality ETF, ZUQ, which is our U.S. quality ETF. I think that's a good one to pair with ZLU as well. Uh, the other alternative of maintaining exposure to the equity markets, but uh, protecting our downside as well is um, going through our series of buffer ETFs. So Chris actually did a deep dive on our buffer ETFs a couple of weeks ago. Um, but again, these ones are a good way to maintain exposure uh, to the equity markets. Um, you do get a cap, uh, but at the same time, um, you do protect your downside as well. So um, if you are interested in hearing more about those buffer ETFs, uh, definitely check out those podcasts. I think it definitely goes into um, more of a deep dive in in terms of how those buffer ETFs work. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Want to reduce the risk of market timing or increase near-term growth? Our new range of BMO Structured Outcome ETFs can help you dial down risk or dial up equity returns. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZJAN, ZOCT, ZUEA and ZEBA. Last but not least, Chris, uh, the skew on options is down 30% from its two-year high. What does this mean for option pricing and products that use these premiums, like covered calls and buffers, for example? And maybe a good segue from what Alfred was talking about, you know, that downside protection element, maintaining exposure to the market, but in a more thoughtful or risk controlled way. Um, you know, to the first part of your question, the skew on options, what is the skew of options and what is that trying to tell us and why is that important for investors? Um, you know, generally what skew is trying to measure is the difference between pricing for put options, aka downside protection, uh, or pricing for call options, aka upside potential, right? So, um, you know, if we take a look at the difference in these prices, it's really driven by supply and demand. So it can give us a sense of market sentiment, really. Um, when skew is high, generally that means there's more demand for put protection. Investors are more concerned about hedging that downside risk. Um, and that's generally what, what high skew is telling us. When skew is low, um, that means the call option element uh, has more demand to it. So investors buying call options and therefore looking for market upside potential uh, is generally the situation we would describe as, as having lower skew. Um, so again, it gives you a good uh, idea of what market sentiment is. Are, investors, are equity investors more concerned about hedging that downside risk or are they more concerned about gaining that upside potential uh, and, and therefore um, you know, position themselves in, in such a way. What we've seen in, in the movement of, of the skew uh, index and, and skew in general in options pricing that you're referring to is, you know, a few months ago, essentially, you know, 
demand for that downside protection for those puts was very, very high, and therefore the cost was high, and that led skew to be higher. Uh, what we've seen over the last few months, as investors do get a bit more comfortable with the potential for a soft landing, as we've been discussing here, um, a more likely scenario coming to the market that uh, we will have a soft landing, and and with uh, you know companies like Nvidia that we've been talking about performing very, very strongly. That market sentiment has shifted from that downside protection, and that's sort of a, a weaker demand element now. And now investors are more concerned about getting that upside potential through call options. Um, so, you know, really, again, supply demand factors really driving uh, the pricing of options and therefore, again, giving us an idea of market sentiment. What this means for uh, investors, A, for, for those buffer type investors, that means protection, uh, those puts, those put options are becoming a little bit cheaper and therefore protection, downside protection in the market is becoming a little bit of a cheaper proposition. Um, and also at the same time, demand for those call options going up. And so prices moving up there. And so that's really good news for uh, covered call investors because essentially that's what covered calls are doing is they're selling those up upside call options. Uh, remember, uh, the sort of objective of a covered call is to trade away a little bit of that upside potential to generate cash flow through the options and, and, and have a higher cash flow in the portfolio. And so if more investors are, are interested in buying those upside call options, that drives the prices up, and that means more premium for covered call investors. So we think it's actually setting up to be a, a pretty good scenario for, for, for both of these type of investors. If you want that income through covered calls, um, you know, the demand for call options is moving up. That gives us higher pricing, more yield. And for investors looking for that protection, whether if that's through buffers or through an option overlay, um, that cost of protection is coming down. So, um, I'd say this is more equalizing. What we've seen is an extreme move. I think you mentioned the skew was uh, at a two-year high uh, pretty recently. And so it's not that uh, necessarily we move drastically in that in that direction of, of uh, high premiums for call options. It's really more that um, that pricing of, of protection has, has come down to more normalized levels. Great. Thanks, Chris. Those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and continuing to send in questions and comments uh, each and every week. I also want to give a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for providing some great market insights. Um, and with that, I'll wish everyone a great week and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Alfred Lee, and Chris McKaney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Covered Call Technology ETF, ticker ZWT, which invests in large-cap technology names like NVIDIA, Meta, Amazon, and Apple, while earning call option premiums. The team also discussed ways to dial up your equity exposure. The BMO Canadian Bank Accelerator ETF, ticker ZEBA, seeks to deliver more from a slow-growth environment, providing approximately two times the price returns plus dividends of an underlying reference asset. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. 
Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.